Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. We're back with some Tech Buying. Yes, sir. I haven't decided what the subtitle for this one's going to be yet. If you haven't noticed mm. by now, I'm coming up with clever subtitles. Yes. So. Well, you're, you're a little behind. Well, no, I mean, I, I usually make these things up like a week out. So. Tech Bites. We just need to process. say it cooler. Virtual water cooler. Virtual water cooler, yes. Right. So if you're not familiar with this series, this is where Dean and I just sit around and talk about some of the hot topics in news, tech, yeah. entertainment, just yeah. whatever... Some interesting stories we've come across. We some decided. are really important. Some not, yeah, so, some not much, so much. Yeah. But you, everybody needs something to talk about. Come yeah. on. So right? we decided to share them with each other, have our own little water cooler here, and you have to listen. So, <laughs> sorry. But you're getting educated at the same time. <laughs> you are. And this, as we always say, this is good stuff that maybe you could talk about with your customers. 100%. Like, hey, man, I heard on this podcast these guys yeah. are talking about blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or when you're with the family next time, you know, you're watching whatever sporting event or you need something to break the ice, you know, maybe it's that uncle that you don't get along with very well. Exactly. We got the story that maybe you, you can chime in here. You don't want to talk about politics again, so yeah, throw no. something else out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So that's what we're going doing today. We've got, uh, what, six, seven good articles? Yeah, we've got some good point. ones here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to dive into those. Uh, we'll give you a little value to the VAR here connected with it. What's Uh-oh. tech and with us? I don't know that there's any value to the VAR, I but we'll see. Either, but we'll find out. <laughs> we make it up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, let's just get into it. Uh, yes, sir. The first story is one you threw out here, the mystery of never COVID. I know, right? So wouldn't this be nice if you never got COVID? I mean, well, I, apparently, I yet, I don't think. <laughs> some as far people, as I know, I haven't. Some people don't get COVID despite being exposed to the virus, right? Uh, right? So we're all done with this thing. But apparently, uh, in, in Britain, they ran a little bit of a human challenge study, highly debated method of doing it, but they did it, <laughs> where they actually exposed 34 people to the COVID, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 COVID in their nose, right. and they found that 16 of those 34 did not get infected, even that's though a pretty being... impressive number. Right? That's like... I don't know, it's if you said be close. six, I would have thought, like, man, that's a pretty good ratio there. If I, if I 16 said, is huge. 16 is huge, right? So it's like... Now, so now it's like there's this debate. Well, are, are just some people just are, don't get COVID, right? And whereas half the population, well, everybody thinks that they can get it, you're right. But but apparently, and obviously this is not scientific at all. <laughs> they make that there's no, you know, this is not a big enough sample size. 34 people is <laughs> right. not a big enough sample size to do anything about it. But what what it did, they did draw from why it matters. Well, you know, it matters because there's various possibilities on how people are protected against against uh, uh, being, you know, uh, infected by it. Right. And they did rattle off a couple things here that are that are maybe reasons why that I thought was pretty interesting. Cross immunity is one of the things mm-hmm. that they threw out there. So if you have been exposed to some of the other endemic thing, coronaviruses that that were already here before right, right. coronavirus, uh, you know, you might be have the propensity not to be infected by this one. So that one makes a lot of sense. Right. Cross immunity. Uh, multiple genetic variations. So this is when somebody's immune system more or less is susceptible to a virus or not susceptible to a virus. So that was a little bit of a learning. 
breeding. Maybe it's a little genetic, I guess, is what they're putting mm-hmm. on the table here. So you could either have cross immunity, maybe have genetics. I love this one. Mucosal immunity. <laughs> what? May play for under-recognized role in a mounting of defense. So what they're basically saying here is that some people produce a little bit more mucus than others. And, it, and like, you know, it's like a, a barrier. So remember that. The next time you have, like, that you're always thinking your nose is running and you just feel like you're extra snotty all the time, you could be saving your own life there. You could have mucosal immunity. <laughs> That's the phrase that you want right there. there and go. who knew? And you could be a never COVID person, too. And then finally, where the virus settles is apparently important, too. Yeah. How large the particle amount was, the amount, length of exposure, all that makes sense, right? We've yeah, kind of yeah. learned that as we've kind of gone through this. If you brush by somebody that had it, probably not going to get it. But if you get heavy doses and, and those types of things. But it is still curious that they directly, you know, infected by p- p- placing droplets mm-hmm. in their nose and only 16 or, yeah, 16 out of 34 people got it. So there you go. There's a, the whole never COVID thing. I was like, oh, boy, is this a political article? You know, like never Trumpers, <laughs> never whatever, never COVID people. <laughs> but it was a scientific study. Pretty right, interesting, right, right. huh? Yeah, yeah. It was, I thought it was interesting, too. And they, they, <laughs> what I thought was funny is they had a, like, this is an Axios article in the bottom line or like, Hey, the bottom line here is though vaccines, boosters, yeah, masks, right. all that stuff, <laughs> still very important, still the guaranteed way, right. you know, or at least the the best way to prevent infection. But but just to acknowledge here that it's possible yeah. again in this relatively unscientific study of a very very small group. <laughs> That maybe more people are immune than we might have realized. And leave it to the people from the UK to do this. Whenever I think of anything coming out of the UK, it's like a bunch of people sitting in a pub. And they're saying, this is the study we're going to run. It's like the pub from Ted Lasso, and they're all sitting there, you know, watching the game, getting infected with SARS to see what happens. Oh, bloody hell. You know, pass that down to me. Oh, I'll take a look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's how things happen in the UK. Okay. I could be completely wrong. I probably just offended the whole, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Great. We we lost all five people listening. Do us from the UK. Thanks. Way to go, Dean. Anyway, yeah. We were relying on them. So, so what's your tech bite? What's your first All one? All right, my first one here. Uh, robotic umpires are coming to baseball in 2022. I'm not a fan of this. I don't know, man. I don't know where I land I on this. I don't go either. ahead. Go I, ahead. I'll, lay I'll out, the, lay out the argument. Okay, so this has already actually been a thing. Uh, this has been They've been doing this in the Atlantic League for, what, a season and a half now. The Atlantic League is an independent league. Okay. So it's not affiliated with, with MLB, but they started right. it off there. Now, this is, it's, it's called actually the Automated Ball Strike System, or ABS. Yep. It's just, it's not to replace umpires entirely. Like, we're not, right. it's not like you're not going to have umps. They're still going to be an ump behind the plate. It's all about balls and strikes only. It's calling balls and strikes only. Yep. Well, this year, it's going to get upgraded to AAA, which is the highest level of minor league baseball for MLB. It's yes. the level just below you get to the major leagues. So yes. A lot of players that are coming up to the major leagues this season will have been playing through this first. Uh, on their way up. So they're going to give it the tryout here. uh, Umpire says they're still needed to rule for rulings on checked swings, interference, plays of the plate, obviously. Uh, But balls and strikes will be will be noted by uh, these this robot empire empire rather which is actually just more of a, a system basically like a yeah. camera system right. that can identify the strike zone all this stuff so uh, yes yeah, so the big Track debate, obviously man, right Trackman uh, yeah that's the, the company yeah. is doing it they were a golf startup actually is yeah, the te- where some right. of the technology comes from um, and this is, was part of an MLB empire <laughs> union deal apparently from a couple of years ago to do this which. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised they would have been necessarily behind it. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe umpires are feeling like I'm tired of getting yelled at whenever I call something the wrong way. Who knows? 
No, but, but they allowed it to come in if they got a pay increase. Well, but go yeah, ahead. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Which is typically the way those, those I'm negotiations do less and go. I want more money. You that's know. it. That's it. That's right. <laughs> I need to get in on that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, well, there was a, there was a great um, discussion about this too, and there there was an interview with like a former big leaguer yes. Frank Viola. Yes. He mentioned like himself, Tom yes. Glavin, Greg Maddox, some of the greats, right. pitching greats. That like their careers were very much based yes. on the kind of finesse pitching that they yes. would do to get balls and strikes when they weren't necessarily always balls or strikes. Yes, And absolutely. they pointed out that, you know... In fact, he went so far as to say we would have been walking everyone instead of getting called strikes exactly. that forced hitters into swinging the bat. But go ahead. That Because it's very interesting because we're in, a, we're in an interesting time in the world of baseball where everything's all about either all or nothing power or hyper finesse pitching with a lot of nuance and a lot of, you know eating around the edges type stuff, you know, mm -hmm. in the, that strike zone. Mm -hmm. And if that strike zone is suddenly highly defined, you're right. There's a very good chance that that means pitchers that, you know, are known to be like superstar, catch the corner of the plate type pitchers. Artists. Yeah, I'm going to call artists, them artists. Right? Which yes. I hate to say it, but even though that shouldn't necessarily happen, umpires sometimes will get a, you know, kind of an impression of like, look, I know this guy is one of the best pitchers oh, in the 100%. game. Oh, 100%. Yeah. If he's close enough, I'm yeah. going to assume he knew what he was doing and actually got it over that's the plate it. and got yeah. the strike, right. you know. And that's where a lot of that benefit of the doubt kind of came in. So yeah. I'm sure there are batters that might think like, well, I don't want that benefit of the doubt given to this pitcher just because it's, you know, whatever. It's Shohei Otani, you know, or mm -hmm. Max Scherzer or Clayton mm -hmm. Kershaw or something, you know, the guys that are these, you know, amazing pitchers. I just want to, you know, actually... I want to know if, like, that was a ball or that was a strike. I, and I'm with you. Like, I'm a baseball purist, you know, although I'm also, like, the DH is going to get introduced league-wide this year. I yeah. don't really have an issue with that. Uh, but, I do, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> but this is one that I do kind of worry about a little bit, and it's and – it's, I don't know, I, because I, I've been on both ends of this. I've been on the ends of it where, like, you know, you, your team got that, that defining strikeout, right. even though it probably was a little off the plate. Yeah. But I've also been that your team lost the game – the big game and lost out or whatever yeah. because the pitch that okay. wasn't over the plate. I I don't know. It's hard. I, to, I gotcha. Hard to I, yeah, but I don't know. In this mechanized world that is getting more and more robotic every day, I kind of like the artistry of baseball. I yeah. like the human aspect of it. I like starting off a game. If I was a pitcher, I was never a pitcher, but I get totally how pitchers think. You know, they, it, the first inning is very important to them. Right. What what is the um going to be calling here? Right. How much leeway? Where where is is he going to be squeezing right, my right. my strike? owner is he going to loosen it up and Can then if I I'm, do something to expand it you know, there you go and if exactly if i do well the first couple innings then now he's going to start giving me a little leeway right. as, as we get in there you know uh, you know and it's all we're talking like half inches quarter oh, inches yeah. we're not if talking that, big yeah. stuff yeah i mean to me there's something very you know just again artistic about it it reminds me back in the day when we went from like <laughs> analog um, records and then tape right to like right, a right, digital right. music environment right. digital music like replicates music in a very ones and zeros man it's right. ones and zeros that is it's there's no there's no warmth you know that was right, the whole idea right. pushback was well digital's fine it sounds like it but it's there's it's not warm it doesn't have that Kind of reminds me of that a little bit here uh, in the sense that, you know, what are we, I don't know, what are we doing? But, you know, Frank Viola went on to say the track man is helping one type of pitcher. It's the power pitcher yep. who Step throws hurler, 95 yeah. plus yep. that doesn't really matter, right? They're just blowing the ball right past somebody right. anyway. So right. they don't have to paint the corners and, and do that kind of a thing. So I guess I wonder, too, if that this might affect the batters as well, where yes. they might start wondering to themselves, like, hey, look, 
I mean, one, I guess, you know, if they feel fairly confident it's off the plate, they won't swing. But then I also wonder if there might be a higher volume of people just taking hacks of stuff because they're like, I I can't tell for sure here and I can't rely on the umpire potentially giving me the benefit. Because I guess, again, that could work the other way. If you're a superstar hitter who's known for patience at the plate and being smart. Okay, let's mm-hmm. say a Joey Votto. Yep, right. You mm-hmm. know, that's, you know, for us here locally, a big, you know, a, a, a batter known to be extremely patient, very smart, knows balls and strikes, you know, like, and is rarely wrong about what is and what isn't a ball and strike. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would guess umpires the same way they might treat pitchers, superstar pitchers as knowing their stuff to be like, hey, this batter probably knows their stuff too. So I'm not going to call that one way or the other necessarily. If, if he's not swinging, he must have seen something that maybe even I didn't necessarily. Right. Yeah. And that again, this would take that completely out of the picture. Totally. I, yeah, I yeah. don't know. We'll I see. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But well, here's what, you know, it's, I, Obviously, it doesn't matter what we think. That's true. <laughs> what, what's going on, though? They're, so they're going to do it. But as of, I did not know this, as of March, you know, a couple years ago, 2019, uh, that track band system had already been installed in 54 Division One schools. So to me, it's like, oh, because I was wondering to myself, well, what are the kids coming up through the ranks going to think of this stuff? But they're already, already kind of used, used to it. it. Yeah. If, there's, if yeah. it's in 54 Division One schools. Which makes sense. That are you using it right it now. Low. Yeah, get them used to it. Yeah, yeah. They're probably like, yeah, that's just the way of the world, you know. Yeah. You've got this mechanized strike zone. Yeah. You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Baseball's in a very weird spot right now. And obviously, we got, you know, as we're recording this in, you know, mid-February-ish, you know, we got a lockout going on. The when the season's going to start is kind of up, potentially up in the air. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, we at least have a better idea of what's happening there. Not a great time to be doing that, you know. You're you're having they're having trouble holding on to fans as it is. Yep. And I and I and I know. One of baseball's big goals is like, you know, they I think they feel like, hey, we have to get as we have to make it as exciting as possible. Mm-hmm. And that means more people taking swings, more balls in play. Um, you know, the perception for a common like fan or someone who's a casual fan is that, you know, pitching is boring, you know, that a that a well pitched game isn't necessarily the most exciting thing. And people want the right. offense, they want home runs. Yep. Which is true. I mean, I guess I, and I guess I get that, you know, and I but obviously again I'm you know, I'm a little more old school. I'm like, you know, show me a no hitter and I find that just as if not more exciting than a walk off home run, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, like I'm, I'm a cynic. So, it's like, it's just going to lead to more walks. So you can more yeah. walk than runs. More, yeah. you know, that's entirely possible. Yeah, or just yeah, yeah it's giving you more run, more walks, more strikeouts from everybody just taking hacks at everything. Especially again, that 95 mile per hour mm-hmm. hurler who just mm-hmm. flings it down the plate and, ho- and hopes for the best. Yeah, and then I guess probably more potentially more home runs. People yeah. just slugging the ball out. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see we'll what see. comes of that, huh? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, All right. right. Well, the next, next one for year. me is one you and I always love to chew on yeah. a little bit. So this yeah, is yeah, from yeah. Wallet Hub, Safest Cities in America. And, you know, whenever somebody makes a claim like that, it's always got my uh, radar like, okay. What is the parameters? What are the, the parameters that they're using to do this? So I'll, 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 kill the, I'll give you the headline, or at least I'll drop the, the cities here. So the, the safest cities in the U.S., Right now, rank number one. I'll give you the top three. Or do you want to guess them real quick? No, I already looked at it. All right. So. Columbia, Maryland, South Burlington, Vermont, and Nashua, New Hampshire. And then the worst cities, and I don't know what the ranking, you know, how many that went down. Uh, it went down to 100. Yeah, 180 to 182. So the the bottom three, San Bernardino, California, Fort Lauderdale, and then St. Louis comes yeah, in as the least safest city. So, you know, I sat back and I thought to myself, well, what criteria, before I even looked at it, what right. criteria right. would I use? Crime rate, right? Safe, right. You're right. thinking safe city. Okay, yeah, violent crime rate. You know, that that's going to play into it. 
how many police are there to citizen ratio, right, I thought. Right. Of. That'd be pretty good. Maybe weather, you know, uh, like uh, what's the propensity of earthquakes or mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that, uh, those types of things. So they auto, used, auto accidents, traffic, you know, that was that was one. They used some of that stuff, yes. So they used like hate crime rate is what they had, traffic fatalities, as mm-hmm. you just mentioned. But then they get into stuff like the unemployment rate. The yeah. unemployment rate? What what exactly are you saying here? That I know. poor people make it less safe? Is right. that right? <laughs> I there there what? was a weird correlation. because I got into that and like uninsured. Yes, uninsured rate. Percentage of household savings. There, those are the three that I called out. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? I don't what like that feels like you're just saying, like, all right, well, if you don't have a lot of people working, they must be out doing <laughs> unsafe criminal things, maybe. But again, this doesn't necessarily specify that unsafe means crime. Because, you know, they do use traffic, you know, fatalities as a, as, as one natural disaster. So like, that's yeah. not, that's not, you know, human nature type stuff necessarily just. Right. But that's, that's safeness. I would not uh, equate unemployment to no, safe or not no, safe no, no. or uninsured, I guess is just, I don't know. That's to me, that's really a stretch there. Like are people, can they afford to be insured? That's the first question. Or are they just thwarting the system and saying, well, I'm just going to run uninsured. Right. Yeah, it's and, not like, know. well, it's not like if you don't have insurance, you suddenly just stop caring about being safe. You know, yeah. like, yeah. in fact, I think it would be the opposite, but. <laughs> and then what's the emergency savings? Percent of households with emergency savings. Like, yeah, are you saying that the people either. that save money for emergency savings are act safer? Is that is that the extrapolation here? And if you don't, you know, a lot of people don't have the means first off, but right, if you don't right. have emergency savings, Savings, you're, you just run rogue <laughs> and create these unsafe cities. I don't know. But when you look at the top three, uh, here's my final point on this thing. Columbia, Maryland. Okay. Well, actually, that has a population of 100,000. It's just outside of Baltimore. It is it, on this particular list was the safest city. But the next two, South Burlington, Vermont, 19,000 people. Okay, my kid's school is bigger than South Burlington, Vermont. Nashua, New Hampshire? Do you even know where Nashua is? It's like, yeah, it's in the boonies somewhere. 80,000 people live there. So I don't know. Our beloved city that we live close by, uh, Cincinnati, came in at 121, which is the middle of the pack. Right, right. Uh, And then obviously those other cities had, um, you know, a lot more population, which I thought was... That would be a contributing factor, right? The, like, right. the more people you have, right. anyway. The one I found most hilarious here when I was looking through these is they kind of like after the list break down like top five and bottom five of their parameters, basically. Uh-huh. My favorite thing here, so he said that St. Louis was at the very bottom. Now, I've been to St. Louis a couple times, and I've always thought, again, my definition of what is and isn't safe, whatever that is, you know, and I'm a privileged white guy, so who knows what I you know, like right. what I do and don't think is safe. But like... You know, I, St. Louis always is a city that I've always felt comfortable just walking around in. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's not a city I ever felt like, man, I'm a little concerned about yeah. going down this road. It's shady. Like, no, like, it's, you know, it's it's a fairly comfortable, like, you know, city for just hanging out in kind of thing. At least that's been my impression. Maybe I was just in a certain area, like, around the ballpark and stuff like that or well, whatever. Well, apparently but you were wrong. I guess, I guess I was. But no, here's what's hilarious, though. So one of their parameters is most law enforcement employees per capita. Yep. Uh, St. Louis is tied for first on that with D.C., New York, and Chicago. Right. Okay? Now, so it has the most police right. per capita. But now, their most assaults per capita, they are tied for dead last, <laughs> meaning they have the most. So there's so you have the most police, but somehow you have the most assaults also in the same city? Like, yeah. wh- like what? What's what, going on there? What, what are those guys doing? You know, like, what are... I, yeah, I don't get it. 
So it's it's I don't know these things like you know I, I don't know how scientific these things are you know and we we've, uh, we've we've done a few things like this like it's clickbait it's clickbait it, it got me it totally you know is. I was in but then I started asking questions it started falling apart yeah you know, yeah, yeah yeah like it even like it mentions here like you know we had a panel of experts weigh in on you know how to make things feel safe and they mentioned stuff like the vaccine rollout I'm like okay wait a minute you didn't say you know that we're talking about safety in regards to getting sick. Right. Like, yeah. It's again, like physical safety. Like, okay, so then I could see why the Vermont one, maybe, because isn't Vermont like one of the most highly vaccinated, you know, oh, yeah. states? Right. Like in, 93% in the of the people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. All right. I guess if you, again, it's just, I think everybody's going to have a different, different definition of what safe means. And when you just use all the definitions and hodge them together, like, <laughs> I don't know how that really works. Yeah. So. Can we just go off a crime rate? I mean, that basically. So I, I'll put the link to down, as so. always with these articles. I'm putting all the links in our show notes. Uh, if you, so you can check this out for yourself. By the way, if you do watch on YouTube, uh, since I can't hyperlink everything there, I'll just put a link at the end to our our landing page for the for the podcast on Podbean. You'll yep. have all the hyperlinks there to check yeah, there out. You go. So, yeah. So yeah. if you want to follow along as we're as we're talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. What did uh, what did I have next here? Oh, um, hey, let's talk about the Super Bowl commercials. I love it. Uh, so I love it. Super Bowl was just you know just the beginning of the week. You know, last weekend for us as we're recording this, um, you know, um, sad sad loss for us and our Bengals, unfortunately, but a good game and enjoyable. Yeah, we were there uh, at least. So so yeah, exactly. So you know, of course, Super Bowl commercials are always a big part of every game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I I just feel like I don't know if it's me. But I don't feel like Super Bowl commercials are nearly as fun and cool and exciting as they used to be. Like, oh, yeah? Like, I feel like when I used when to... When do you think was the golden age of the commercial then? <sighs> it might have been, like, late 90s, early 2000s okay. or so. All I don't right. know. Maybe it's just an age thing. Who maybe, knows? yeah. And maybe it's because of, like, with the stuff that they're advertising. Maybe if it's aiming for younger audiences, clearly don't mm-hmm. work for me anymore. Or, you know... And this batch this year was just fine, you know? Like, I guess they were fine. Nothing that... <laughs> Blew me away. It was fine. So I, I found fine. an article from uh, from NPR here with some of the best and worst Super Bowl commercials. Uh-huh. And, uh, thought we'd talk about a few of these. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and I guess one thing, because it was interesting, because this was definitely the Super Bowl that people kind of referred to as like a lot of nostalgia. Yes. And a lot of that being because of the, the halftime. Oh, yeah, show, the halftime. Absolutely. We were just talking about earlier, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, hip hop artists from, you know, back at the turn of the century mm-hmm. that, you know, not that still aren't popular today, but, you know, yeah. definitely had their heyday then. Right. And apparently there's a big debate over millennials and, and Gen X, I guess, us, Gen know, X, technically, yeah. right, right. debating over who they belong to. And yes. I'm like, I don't know. Like, they yeah. kind of just crossed over both, I guess. Does yeah, it really matter, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it seemed like, but it seemed like a lot of the commercials almost felt like nostalgic, too. Yes. And in particular, obviously, there was a, there was a lot of, like, stuff with, like, electric vehicles, for instance, which we kind of oh, would have expected. Man. yeah, right. Uh, a lot of technology. There's always a lot of tech ads. Yeah. But then, of course, another, the uh, one big set of ads that was a big deal this year was all, like, the crypto ads. Yeah. Stuff for <laughs> cryptocurrency, which we have railed about cryptocurrency and yes. NFTs and all this yes. stuff on the yes. show before. Yes. Someone pointed out on Twitter, and I was actually thinking this kind of myself as I was watching the game and, like, the bouncing QR code that we all yes. were dumb enough to scan. Yes. Uh, and all the, all the crypto stuff that showed up like i i do remember distinctly getting this impression and somebody on twitter made it kind of helped me you know congeal what Mm -hmm. i was thinking which is this was very much reminiscent of the dot-com yes again getting nostalgic 
of That's the late it. 90s, early 2000s. Yep. When I remember the, some of those Super Bowls where it was just filled with, you know. Pets.com. Pets.com, <laughs> GoDaddy commercials, you know, all these commercials. Yes. That, you know, were all about, you know, go here, sign up for this, make millions of dollars when this blows up. Hey, that, yeah. And a short time later, we saw how that all turned There's out. There's my bro science. If you, if you start seeing commercials about something in the Super Bowl that you're interested in, like cryptocurrency, yep. there's your sign that the bubble's bursting. <laughs> yep, yep. It's on its way out. A bunch of people are about to get in, yep. and you. it's time for you to get you out, or you shouldn't exit. have been there to begin with. Yes, yeah. yes. Get out quickly. So what did you think of the commercials? Were any that really like, stood out to you? Any that, that, that you thought were really good? Uh, Some that you thought were like, meh? Yeah, I thought they were I thought they were really... I thought there were quite a few of them were pretty good, actually. Um, I, although I'm going to start with the Pringles one. That one was a little odd to me. This is the one where the guy got his hand stuck in a Pringles. Right. They literally follow him through his whole life all the way to death and he's in the casket with the Pringles can. And then the poor boy gets one, you know, at the the wake. And it's like, what did I just watch? What was that all about? I don't know. Hasn't there been an ad with stuck in, stuck in the Pringles can long ago? Oh, I don't know. Okay. So so I missed something there. Like maybe it's not the, you know, it wasn't the same setup, but I feel like there's, like that's been a long old running gag with gotcha. all Pringles hand stuck in the can thing. Gotcha. Again, a lot of these ads just felt like they were like, I mean, shit, they brought back the E-Trade baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which it took me like it took me like half of that commercial to be like, I don't get what this commercial like this yeah. commercial seems to be implying I'm supposed to know what this is. E-Trade and baby. And then at the end of it they said it was E-Trade. I was like, "Oh, I do kind of remember there being E-Trade baby commercials that yeah. were a big deal back in the yeah. day." But did anybody was anybody asking for that? Did anybody care? <laughs> no, nobody asked for that. Uh, no, my uh, favorite commercial though, uh, and I don't. Uh, do you have a favorite one? Already? I do, but I'll let you yours first because yours might be the same as mine. Okay, Planters was my oh, favorite. Oh no, that one. but that was that was probably my second or third favorite. Because yeah. that that was I mean you know the, just the world we're in right now, where we're at with society. I thought they uh, nailed it. Uh, yep, it just yep. this is the one where it was a mixed nut you know right. can, and you had two. Two, uh, whatever, uh, groups of people. You right. either grab the nuts and ate them all at one time, right. or you pick through them right. and individually. And each, individually <laughs> of each different type. Well, which are you? Uh, oh, you know, I, I think I just grab a handful. I'm a handful. I'm, I'm probably yeah. a handful yeah. person. I'm right? a handful. You give me mixed nuts and just like, yeah. if they're all nuts, I'll throw them all at once. But it was just so well written, so well done. You know, at the end of the commercial, it's this whole bifurcation of the society. You're either a handful person or you're individual one. And yep. then the commentary at the end is like, geez, I, I thought we could all get along on something like <laughs> this and it was just i mean just where we're at in a society sometimes like, the simplest things can it, divide it, us all yeah. well it makes you st- take a step back and say yeah we're pretty stupid <laughs> you know <laughs> because i can totally see people getting just burned up on twitter yeah. about this type of a topic it's yeah. like no yeah. <laughs> it's like man, yeah. we're not that one slick. of those hey. like there's two types of people in the world yeah. the people that eat the mixed nuts together and the people that separate them <laughs> which are you i thought it was brilliant uh i did very much enjoy the arnold schwarzenegger salma yes. bmw commercial yes for for or a trotting out some aged celebrities, you know, all the time my hike still looks amazing, let's be honest. Like, I, you know, I, I found that commercial to be, as it kept going along, funnier and funnier and funnier. Like, I'm like, okay, this actually is very much entertaining. I yeah. like what we're doing here. Yeah. Arnold's this is the one of, where he was Zeus, right? Yeah, Arnold's Wait. one of those people that, like, I feel like when you get him in small doses these days, just doing a little random That's stuff, all you need. especially if there's a comedic edge to it, yeah. you kind of dig it more. Yeah. Like, I don't need him starring in blockbuster films anymore. It just doesn't work, you know, like... I, I can't see him as an action hero anymore. Like, it's very clear when you trade in somebody who's 40 years younger than him mm. to do the action sequences, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. 
but I can I can appreciate fun stuff like this. So um, I'm trying to think if there was any. Oh well, the other big thing that stood out to me, and this is one of those things. Like I feel like this is another thing why Super Bowls kind of like the commercial stuff kind of disappoints me these days. As I feel like there used to be a lot more like big blockbuster movie trailers. Oh, like, right. There like, was like only just, one or two. Like, yeah, we had Jurassic World yeah. and, and we had Doctor Strange, which the Doctor Strange trailer was like, for anybody who's wa- who watches or listens to the podcast enough, you know that I'm a big Star Wars guy. I'm also mm-hmm. a big, huge Marvel nerd. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm out of my mind excited about this movie coming <laughs> out. So so I was happy to see that. But yeah, like I, I, I used to feel like back in the day there would always be you know, at least four or five yeah, like right. huge blockbuster ads for mm-hmm. big movies that are coming out. And you just don't see it. And I guess part yeah. of the problem with that is most of these ads get released online early. And like there's, I mean, literally Apple has a, a trailer app, you know, to go watch trailers. Mm. They're usually on YouTube at a time. Like, so it's, you're, you don't see many, not it seems like many studios don't, don't like to actually bring these ads out and show them just at the Super Bowl to start. They're usually already out and about gotcha. before then, but yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I thought, well, that, that that's true, and I guess you don't see it. I was wondering if it just because people don't go to theaters anymore, well, so sure there isn't some, the whole but, summertime crush that you would have but like, normally. You could, still, you could do that, though, with, like, I would have loved to have seen a trailer for the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series, mm. for instance. I mean, oh, okay. You could do that yeah, with that's streaming fair. content, Not too. Not at $6 million you know? a second or whatever the hell they I were selling it so, for. Yeah. And but, I guess the point to there, too, also is, like there's not because I guess there's not as much competition anymore to get people in theaters because either there's you know they're not necessarily struggling to do it. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home just literally broke records and was like now what third right? highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, you know when we were in a pretty big surge, you know there at that point. So like I don't think the appetite for going to movies is necessarily entirely gone. Mm-hmm. But yes, to be fair, there is you know so many more options for people to stream at home and yeah, why spend the money to get people to stream something that's just going to pop up on their service and tell them to watch it at some point anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Now, I thought the Kevin Hart one was funny. Uh, yeah, Kevin Hart yeah. is just funny, period. So anytime he does any, he was a VIP at Sam's Club. That, that was a pretty funny one as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I thought, I thought in general they were pretty good this year. But they were better. I think it was a little bit of a better crop than I've seen in the last few years. Um, but I was glad that I had a game to actually be very invested in this year, too. You know, so that always helps. And it was a good game. It was. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, Dean, what do you got the, next? Well, the next thing that I got on my list is a pretty serious problem, actually. It's population growth, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of a big problem. Why? Because, and this is in the US. Uh, you kind of need people to pay the bills. So what I mean by that is you need younger people out there uh, paying the bills for the older people when they start getting to an age uh, where they need you know public assistance. Right. So when you look at places like Japan, Japan right now is absolutely struggling with this because they've gone through years and years of population decline, and now they're just they're running huge debts uh, in Japan, and they're 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 actually the most over leveraged country in the world right now. So you know when you step back and you think about it oh boy so the u.s state uh united states grew by only 0.1 percent last year mm-hmm. so 392,000 people were added in population between july of 2020 and july of 2021 um and that is the least amount of growth i'm using air quotes here uh since 1937 
Which so, would have been Great Depression era, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's Great Depression era. Yeah. That's right. Well, so I guess, okay, we're coming out of a pandemic, and I get it. Uh, but when you look at the graph, you know, the, the population growth has been declining uh, really since, like, well, I think since, like, the 1980s or something like that. But it, it's dramatic what right, happened right. Uh, in the last year. And, and again, I mean, it's just the commentary that, you know, um, you, that, that a population, a society needs population growth, especially on the financial side. When you look at states like Florida, there were actually more people died in Florida than were than were, you know, birthed in Florida. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have some up and we all know that, you know, half of Florida's got to be retired people at this yeah, point yeah, in time. Yeah. So, um when I know yeah, like the instinct here seemed to like to be like, well, let's just attribute this to the pandemic, but this was already a trend mm-hmm. for a long time before the tra- pandemic too. I mean, like, I think so. You know, I think, you know, fewer people are having children, more people are waiting longer to have children. Um, you know, the average age of death is, you know, has been getting a little bit, creeping a little bit lower over yep. time. So, yep. Yep. Like, All I those things like, are I feel a factor. Like we're on a little bit of a negative trend that may continue for a little bit longer here. Oh, absolutely. If not for a much longer time. But again, you know, at the end of the road, it's like, okay, well, then what are we going to do about some of these financial obligations that you're going to have to some of these uh, parts of the population mm-hmm. where if you only have, I mean, I forget what it was like back, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. It was for every retired person, you had like 10 workers paying into Social Security. It was a non-factor, right? Right, I mean, whatever the ratio was. But if you start getting skinny that up or upside down that, well, now you've got, you know, for for every one retired person, if there's just one person working to help pay into that. Yeah, so that's going to be an issue. Is you and I are going to be doing the oh, tech podcast when we're like eighty-five, right? We're screwed. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But I knew, podcast. I knew that when I was twenty. <laughs> when I get to this age, you'd be like, I know. Oh, I really do want to retire, yeah. though. You know, like I just want to be able to just you know do whatever I want for at least I don't know well, five six years. Oh you know? yeah, I don't know. So anyway, we'll population see. was on my mind there. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So here's what I got next to you. This is a very interesting article I came across um, called How to Be a Disruptor. And it was a uh, kind of a editorial commentary, you know, from uh, – uh, this was uh, published in Marker. Uh, highly, definitely read the article. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's written by Mark Randolph, who was one of the co-founders of Netflix. Yes. And so basically his, you know, this was him trying to say like, hey, you know, if you want to be a disruptor, the subtitle is, is just focus on the market that nobody's paying attention to. <laughs> and it kind of, you know, builds this around the story of how Netflix came to be and how Netflix right. kind of took over and knocked Blockbuster out of the way, essentially. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's a, it's a very, it's a fascinating story. A lot of this stuff I already kind of knew. I just, I, I've always thought the story of Netflix is one of the more fascinating it entrepreneurial totally stories out there. Yes. You know, of how a company, again, and to his point, found itself its niche and ran with it and just completely blew its competition out of the water. Well, not only an entrepreneurial story, but also an epic fail oh, yeah, of a yeah, large exactly. company story. And, and yeah. he kind of gets into that here, and he talks about the idea about, you know, um, he says, you know, in a way the story of Netflix taking down Blockbuster is an inspiring one, just as a handful of people with no experience in the video industry using nothing more than imagination and persistence, taking down the biggest video rental company in the world. And he right. says, but what if you are the 800-pound gorilla? <laughs> then it's a different story, isn't it? Because the moral is a little different and a little unsettling. Yes, So right? he points out, like, you know, Blockbuster, and he, and he, he notes that, like, when Netflix started, and this is something I hadn't heard before, they had a paltry selection of 900 videos <laughs> in a bank's, their, their, their operations was in an old bank building, and he said they used the old walk-in safe for the bank to store their videos. And of course, Blockbuster was dominating. At the time, they were $650,000 in annual revenue at each individual store. Store, yeah. 
Uh, and instead of 99, Blockbuster boasted of having a store within a 10 minute drive of virtually every neighborhood. In and that the is United so States. true. It oh, was yeah. like it was like Starbucks today. Yeah, you, you could you couldn't go. You probably whatever. knew two or three in your area. You could oh, if you 100%. wanted to rent something and it wasn't at one. You probably knew another you could get yes. to in 10 minutes. Yes. to look there also. Absolutely. Uh, but but what he points out here is that a big part of what they were doing wrong, or at least you know where the level they had reached, is they had an idea called managed dissatisfaction. Okay, which is an understanding that your customers don't necessarily like they're going to they're going to be upset and and dissatisfied about some things right. but because you're the only game in town they have to deal with it so for example <laughs> you just have to manage right properly. so for example they focused highly focused on new releases like you know you walked in the new release wall was the biggest yes. deal there yes so they didn't keep nearly as much you know back stock or older videos on hand when you you know the new release stuff, I remember. you know if you didn't get it in time it was gone for weeks potentially because people were renting it out or putting yep. themselves on lists for it yep and they were fine with that and then late fees they're always you know they 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 were as he puts it blockbuster was addicted to their late fees because they made more than 700 million dollars <laughs> per year on them and more than 15 percent of their total revenue whoa but whoa whoa yeah see that's insane that's taking advantage yeah that's yeah. just that's mm-hmm. that's that is that's a collapse waiting to happen like yeah. you know when when you're when a huge chunk of your business model is something that pisses off every one of your customers <laughs> probably not sustainable but then he pointed out what really was set them apart though and why they won this game is because they decided to focus on DVDs mm. at a time when DVDs still weren't that popular yet. Okay. You know, the majority of the majority of blockbusters didn't even stock DVDs, or if they did, it was an extremely small supply. They were focused on VHS, VHS. still. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough people with with DVDs. Plus the other thing he pointed out was that Netflix, when they founded, decided because they decided to be an internet company that serviced the nation, mm. could service all all DVD owners around the country, even though it was, you know, like, I think they said DVD ownership at the time was half a million households, less than a half a million households. Yeah, right. The VHS universe was 100 times larger. <laughs> when a local blockbuster, you might have one person in your region that has a DVD player at the time. Why mm. are you catering to them? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So when they decided to put this together, like, you know what? We're going to focus strictly on DVDs. We're not going to do VHS at all. I guess I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, a, I was an early adopter. It was adopter. mail, right? They mailed yeah, it to Yeah, it was you? mail order originally. Okay, like, yeah. I was an early adopter. Like, I had a DVD player, like, 98, 99, I think. Okay. Uh, like my boss at my bookstore that I worked at or whatever recommended I get one. He loaned <laughs> me some movies that he bought. He got, he got me on the Netflix. He's like, hey, there's this cool service, Netflix. You should check it out. And, you know, and I was totally addicted to that. But, you know, he's got a point here that why this worked so well is because a small, at the time, a very small group of people were in on this. But that group, and we all knew it was going to grow. No one right. was under any delusion that it wasn't going, to grow. wasn't going to overtake VHS someday. Yeah. It was just that Blockbuster willfully chose to say, we're not going to we're not going to mess with that until we have to mess with that when more people have these. And by then it was too late. Right. And by then Netflix owned all the people that already had had them and were picking up more as they came along. More yeah. and more people were buying DVD players. They let them in. They yeah. were all picking them up and bringing them in too. Yeah. So by the time by the time Blockbuster shifted and said, okay, well, now we're going to predominantly stock DVDs, it was already too late for Too that. late. Yep. Cat was already out of the bag. Yeah. You know, there was another uh, another <clears throat> solution out there. And then they didn't get into streaming at all. No. You know, it, no. which was the other foul or huge mistake that Blockbuster made. You know, it, what what an epic fail. Oh, Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's got, I'm sure like, I'm sure economics courses these days. Oh, yeah. And business management yeah. and entrepreneurship courses. I'm sure that's a, a highlight story these days. To, I, I can't believe we haven't had a movie out like sitting in a boardroom of a Blockbuster <laughs> back in the day. I'm imagining it's smoky and stuff like that. What do we need DVDs for? Yeah, no, exactly. we're not doing that. 
charge them more late fees. Yeah, I want the uh, I want the social network for Netflix. Yes, except there you go. except the story doesn't end in you know weird dark messing with the entire fate of the world kind of you know <laughs> it's just it's just movies and TV and streaming. So uh, so that but that's what was the, the just disruptor angle? Did did he have any more takeaways his, about that? Essentially, his idea behind this was is look for look for places where your competition's not willing to go. Okay. Like if if you're seeing something that your competition, the bigger, stronger competition is saying like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. You can mess around with this if you want. We're not going to do this yet. This isn't ah. who we are. Stick with it because gotcha. there's a good chance at some point people are going to like what you're doing potentially. Mm-hmm. You know there's value in it. You know it's something people want, even if it's not necessarily – the biggest market and the biggest gains at the moment, but you know it's heading somewhere. Stick with it because by the time your competition wises up and gets around to it, they're going to be too late into the game. Yes, change always happens, right? Nothing stays. The status quo does not stay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That was a good one. Um, All right. So my last one that I got here are top tech Mm -hmm. trends. So I I picked up on this uh, article uh, that was put out by McKinsey and Company, and they just... You know, they ranked uh, some of the top tech trends that are happening. And what I found fascinating, first off, it was, it suits my style because most of it was graphic. <laughs> and I like that. You know, like I, I like little whatever, little graphs right, and charts right, right. and stuff like that. But they kind of quantified a lot of these by investment, news mentions, and then patents granted. So, you know, and I thought that was pretty pretty good way of saying, you know, what kind of a tech trend is is catching on? Well, let's look at how much people are investing in it, how much is it getting mentioned in the news, mm-hmm. and then are people creating patents around it? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty brilliant way of, yeah. of, of looking at it. So anyway, we'll just kind of read through a couple of these uh, top te- tech trends that are happening out there. And I'll read some of these uh, kind of verbatim here. So one of the tech trends that they have is the rise of software 2.0. I didn't, I wasn't really aware of this, but in which programmers are replaced by neural networks that Uh, use uh, machine uh, learning to develop software. It promises to unlock higher order edge use cases like autonomous vehicles, where the only way to progress is through AI models. Uh, At the end of the spectrum, software 2.0 will provide organizations with a far easier, more iterative more intuitive way to customize existing code and automate mundane programming uh, tasks. And boy, through low-code or no-code approaches, boy, that makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. software 2.0, I was thinking to myself, hmm, so if I'm a coder, I didn't really think the coders might be their jobs might be, you know, uh, not as secure as you would think it is. But if you're using neural networks and machine Someone's learning, someone's got to code the AI, though, don't they? <laughs> well, no. It's what it's saying is it's well, kind of not, no. coding itself right, uh, right, type of right. a thing. So this has gotten billions and billions of investments. Is really has, has peaked a lot here recently. Lots of news mentions. Not so much on the on the patent grants, uh, but I found that one to be uh, pretty interesting. Yep. So yep. software 2.0. If you hear about it, that's what they're talking about there. Uh, another one was that I thought was pretty interesting here was uh, a trend in deploying AI algorithms to train machines to recognize patterns and interpret acts uh, on those patterns. We talk about it kind of all the time here about AI and how it's used with visualization and can help things with like quality control and stuff like that. Uh, but they talk about how helping computers make some sense of the real world data, including video and images and stuff like that. This is definitely a next trend that, that is that it's happening right 
right now mm-hmm. uh, type of a thing. And the amount of patents that are being uh, granted. Uh, so it, back in 2015, there were around, around 105 in this area. Uh, last year, there were 320,000. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. 105,000. Now there's 323,000 uh, being being put out there. So that's kind of an indicator that a lot, we, I know we talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. but here's some actual data getting behind the, the importance of AI and it's moving forward. So, um, you know, that's one of those things. So another, another trend I thought w- was pretty interesting here you're starting to see uh, some of the other stuff is uh, the rapid approach of quantum computing and neuromorphic computing. So I wasn't so sure about the neuromorphic uh, computing, but uh, with the latter involving the development of specialized microchips called application-specific integrated circuits. Man, all I got to say here is that computing, the hardware compute, is getting really, really weird, really, really technical, like way above my head type of stuff and and what it i don't know it starts to get into like science fiction if you ask me around it's like what what how are they building these things that i don't understand but but if you look at it in some of the capabilities that they're developing with this obviously with these this type of quantum type of uh, computing uh, and how it can be used in such things as AI and cybersecurity and all kinds of things. It's just they talk about cutting development time for chemicals and pharmaceuticals with simulations. Yes, right. Simulations. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you need a lot of computing crunching crunching right, power right. to do that to oh, make yeah. these simulations. But it's just going to fast track things so much just beyond where we're at today. Yeah. Yeah. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, let's see here. Uh, one, one of the last ones they had uh, here was around um, another trend brings together cloud and edge computing. So we talk about that a lot here mm-hmm. to help companies move computing power further towards the edge of those networks, enabling them to reach data hungry devices with far less latency and a greater number of locations. So uh, the whole this is gets around whole distributed infrastructure idea. So, you know, that is definitely a tech trend that we see out there. We've talked about it. Um, but this, this you know, kind of backs that a little bit here, getting more news mentions, getting a lot of patented, patents granted around this space. So distributed inf- infrastructure, yet another tech trend. So anyway, I thought I'd throw a couple out there. Some of them are kind of, you know, uh, bolster what we've been talking about here, right? right? right. Uh, in the edge computing and the, and the fact that, you know, a lot of our world has got to move towards that. Or it's going to, whether you like it or two or not. And then a new learning, like with the software 2.0. Uh, pretty interesting stuff yeah. there. <laughs> Coders getting out of a job. We got <laughs> we got this little whatever thing over neuro network over here that's going to do I'm the coding sure for we'll you. I'm sure we'll find something else for them to do. So <laughs> there's a lot of I noticed there's a lot of cybersecurity talk in this stuff, you know, yep. which is always a, a big topic. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of this stuff I, I look through. I'm like, you know, these are all of these are topics that we tend to find ourselves hitting on a lot in the mm-hmm. show that our guests are talking about. Of, yep. You know, what's new and what's next? What people are going to expect next? And we had that whole episode about edge computing and the idea of you know, getting more processing power as close as possible to the source of what you're trying to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have a feeling, uh, I mean, some of this stuff is probably more going to be our kids and grandkids that are going to be playing in this new world that a lot of this stuff creates. But I think we'll we'll see some of this stuff in our lifetime. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because it'll be pretty next level. We'll be amazed by. Oh, 100 percent. Because in this nice little pretty graph that they have here, they also had a maturity uh, type of uh, X, Y axis. Mm -hmm. And most of these were not in the very mature. (laughs) So so meaning there's a lot of room to grow there. You're right. They're highly applicable, but not necessarily super mature. 
Yeah, exactly. Kind of like in the middle ground. Yep, so yep, yep. Definitely yep. ruined a move there. <laughs> Pretty cool stuff, though. So anyway, that was my last tech bite that I had uh, that I was going to bring to the table. There you go. Well, hey, yep. that's, that's it for me also. Um, so we are, our tech has been bit today. Uh, hopefully you got some interesting <laughs> stories to take uh, back. And like I said, you know, check out uh, in the show notes um, if you're, you know, if you're in your podcast feed, you should be able to have a hyperlink to all these uh, to these articles. If you're listening on an audio podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, scroll to the end of the description. You'll see the link that's got the uh, hyperlinks to all these articles. We, yes. you know, if you want to read along and check out some of this stuff, some of them go a little more in depth than we were able to get. Yep. Uh, but hey, as always, I want to thank our Tech Connect sponsors. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, DataLogic. Elo, Epson, Honeywell, Intel, and Zebra. Yep. Uh, if we add any more than that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep track of them all the time. I'll have to write them down. So, <laughs> so thank you so much no, for your support of the show. It. We very much appreciate it. Uh, as always, if you like the podcast, please, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit like, subscribe to our channel, leave us a comment. Uh, if you uh, are listening on your audio podcast or choice, if you have the ability to leave a rating review, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. those five-star rating reviews are hugely important to the show. Yes. Uh, and we just want to hear from you also. Right. You know, we just want to know what, you know, if you like the show, if you don't, what you want to hear more about, tell us topics that you're interested in. Absolutely. We'd, we'd love to hear that stuff. Uh, and as always, if you want to connect with us, if you, you do want to reach out to us, tell us your thoughts or feedback, uh, or just follow along with a fun social feed where I throw out random jokes from time to time. And like, I just had a, <laughs> I just had one a couple weeks back where I showed a bunch of trilogies, the final movies of I trilogies. I saw that, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. Uh, you can also email us, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. Hey, before we get to our recurring segments, let's hear from one of our sponsors. TechConnect Podcast is brought to you by ELO. Looking to meet the needs of both hospitality and retail customers and their employees, as well as their busy on-the-go customers? Introducing the new ELO M60 Pay, a mobile POS computer designed to support everyday business. It's rugged, enterprise-grade, all-in-one device, 6-inch HD touch display, Android 10 OS, Qualcomm Snapdragon 660 octa-core processor. Sounds like something out of a James Bond movie. Right. And all of the requisite connectivity options. Bomb. Uh, now, Dean, you and I are both fans of paying where, when, yes. and what we want. We love on demand, right? Our phones, our watches, maybe a credit card if we feel like it. 100%. Uh, well, that really puts the M60 above other mobile computers for productivity is that it offers a integrated payment capabilities to speed customers along wherever they are. Beautiful. Uh, love it's it. It's equipped for dip, tap, and swipe. That always sounds Wait. like a TikTok dance. <laughs> Doesn't it? Can you say that again? Dip, can tap, do, and swipe? Can you do the dip? Can you do the tap? Can you do the swipe? No, I'm not on TikTok, but go Let's, ahead. Maybe we'll, I'll shoot my very first TikTok video, and I'll just be us doing Fair our enough. version of whatever we think dip, tap, and swipe. With the M60. With the M60, yes. <laughs> You'll be like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, don't no, do we're that. We're good. We're yeah. good. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. We're good. We don't need to go viral like that. Uh, so that means that it accepts EMV cards with chips, NFC contactless payments for cards or mobile devices, and the traditional mag stripes as well. I mean, mag stripes, right. whatever. It's so whatever. 2000s. Who's yeah. yeah. using mag stripes? You still got it. Yeah. I guess they're there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, perfect for table-side service, line-busting, curbside pickup, anywhere your customers need to accept payments. So to learn more about this amazing new device, you're going to be hearing more about this Oh yeah. Uh, in, in some of our other uh, entertainment works as well. Yes. Check out the link in the show notes or contact the Blue Star ELO team. All right, Dean, let's wrap things up here. Now, we normally do a value to the VAR segment, yes. which is, you know, a takeaway for our VAR yes. audience. I mean, again, you know, the idea of this is some water cooler type stories and talk, <laughs> you know. But I will say, like, the, the how to be a disruptor article, yep, I think it's one. something you could take a little heart from and think Absolutely. about, like, hey, 
where is your biggest competition out there? You know, if you're going up against the big dogs and mm-hmm. and they're uh, taking business away from you, find out what are they not willing to do. You yes. know, talk to some of their customers and find out like oh, what are their pain points. You know, I mean that's a that's kind of sales one on one, but you know, it may not be about stealing business away from them, but like where can you maybe focus your business to get in on a on a market that they're not doing yet, where you know that people are going to want this at some point. Mm-hmm. It just may not be everybody's there just yet. What I like about that, it puts you in the mentality of being hungry, right? right. Even if you've been a you've been in business for twenty years doing the same old thing, if you if you take on the mentality of being a little bit more disruptive and trying to find those areas, it just makes you a little bit more hungry about hey, let's grow our business a little right, bit in right. this area or over here where it could because as opposed to a startup company who's very hungry. That's all they got. <laughs> they they got to be disruptive because they got no business or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Uh, but if you add that mentality into your day-to-day life, yeah, I think some good things can happen yeah. out of that. Well, and the flip the side too is if you are, as they prefer to refer to the 800-pound gorilla, you know, right? if, if you're the big dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pay attention to where people are trying to disrupt you. You know, if, if some little company's Absolutely. coming in and saying, we're going to do this because you're not, yes. don't just dismiss them and push them aside and be like, whatever, we don't have to do that. We'll get around to that when we feel like right. it. Right. You know, think about, you know, is that something I should be doing too? Really give it some thought and pay yep. some attention to it. Yep. Yep. Because you don't want to yep. be the next blockbuster. Let's put it that way. <laughs> And I thought the t- the tech trends, you know, it, it just validation on some of the things that are happening in the marketplace and next generation computing. Mm-hmm. Don't really understand that, but it's going to be helpful for all of us. Distributed infrastructure, getting to the edge, uh, those things, again, further backs that. Uh, and then understand that there's a software 2.0 out there happening that could have a little bit of an impact uh, on our world because a lot of what we do is going to start getting into that AI, uh, a lot of machine learning that's happening, especially over on the AIDC side and, and what's happening in that space. So, yep. yep, you need to be cognizant of some of those t- top tech trends that are happening there. Exactly. There All right, well, hey, let's wrap up with What's Tech Connecting With You, our segment where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech innovation that has caught our eye as our attention this week. Dean, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting With You? Well, I actually got two of them for you here today. Uh, first one is pollination robots take over as bee population declines. Okay. All right. So uh, we got some researchers. No, it's not. It's not a bad thing. Actually, the concept and the whole thing around it's pretty cool. Uh, some folks over in West Virginia University, researchers there, uh, are have been trying to tackle the whole thing that we've all been trying to tackle. How do you grow enough food out there, but curb the use of pesticides and chemicals? You know, they have a negative impact, and of course, it's killing the bees and stuff like that. So they developed something. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this, but they developed what they call the Stick bug. The stick bug. Stick bug, okay. <laughs> and you'd see a picture of it. It's even worse. Uh, <laughs> it's a six-arm robot designed to pollinate crops on an indoor greenhouse. So you're in a okay. greenhouse, right, and you've got, like, whatever, tomatoes growing and stuff like that. It's this very uh, rudimentary robot-looking thing right, with six right. arms on it, right. that, like, doing pollination. So it's whatever, hitting the flower. <laughs> So it's not it's, like a little bee buzzing around or anything. It's like not a, a little, no. no. That's not as, that's not as <laughs> I was kind of, right, the clickbait that got me in was like, oh, man, this is this is going to be kind of cool. You know, it's going to be like robo bees, yeah. and you're waiting for some supervillain to take them over yeah. and send yeah. them out after everybody? No, that didn't happen. No. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so here's my second one. All right. You and I, my friend, we need to move to Belgium. Okay. Belgium just allowed the four-day work week. Okay, let's so go. We've been talking about let's it, go. right? About how my this wife COVID- will be on board, too. I know. Let's go. <laughs> this pandemic has changed things. <laughs> well, Belgium just took it to the next level, and they just vote whatever they did. You made it so that people 
only have to work four day work weeks. Now, uh, you can work a maximum of 9.5 hours per day if you want. That's not too bad. Uh, right. I know even a lot of people that there are a lot of industries like nursing and stuff like that, where you work for 10 hour days yeah, or for yeah. 12 hour days and you get the long weekend type right. of a thing. But, um, but no, Belgium has made it an officially a law that you can now, you can request a four day work week from your employer without losing any salary. So nice. you still get paid what you're paid today, but you only have to work four days a week. I think I'm moving to Belgium. Yeah. What I can get think? behind that. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> you that or just make it happen here. Yeah, right. Exactly. All <laughs> right. So what's tech connecting with you? Uh, okay. So this is actually a little outdated, but um, I, I kept a uh, link to this on my phone and meant to talk about it at some point. Um, some of the interesting tech that came out of CES 2022. Oh, yes. Uh, which was back in early January, I believe. And people actually showed up to it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It was actually yeah. like, you know, an in-person event this year. A lot of people showed up. What I find fun about these and this particular article from Mashable I was looking through is just some of the some of the crazy outlandish tech that shows up at these shows that you some of it you look at and you go, that's really cool. That is totally going to be like the future of technology. And we're all going to be using that someday. And some of you look at it and go. There is no way in hell that's actually going to happen. That is not a thing. How did they get funding? It's just some cool How concept. Yeah, it's yeah, some cool concept you're throwing out there to prove you can do something and move on to something else. But so it's throw, not going to become a thing. Throw so, a couple at us. Yeah. So you like some of the stuff that like is more reasonable is like you know they had like pandemic life tech, which is like you know cool like you know cool uh, uh, this is a thing called a Zephyr mask, you know, which is a almost electronic mask with built-in airway filters and fans. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the, like know. the most high-tech yeah, mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, like what you would see somebody wearing like a Dude, hazmat I, situation. Like I said you know. at the beginning of the pandemic, I wonder when we all start walking around like Kylo Ren and we just have this, you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. This you know, whole oh, yeah, I, mechanism. I like the main one, like, hello. <laughs> I see you've showed up to talk about an Apple <laughs> Anyway, so the Zephyr was tune into Tech Connect after dark to hear more of Bane. But you're saying the Zephyr mask had like infiltrate, you know, had little fans and stuff like that. It's pretty sweet looking mask, and it's also like a sweet, cool look. I mean, it looks like something a superhero would wear. There you go. That's what I'm saying, right? Uh, They had stuff like you know, full length uh, mirrors for Zoom conferences. Oh, really? I don't want that. I don't Uh, want that. No. I don't like to be on camera if I don't have to be anyway. I, I, yeah. As I look into a camera for my podcast, what? But like on Zoom calls, like it's annoying enough sometimes you have to be on camera, especially if half the call has nothing yeah. to do with you. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't want a full body one. What? That would be terrible. That'd be what, just what is that? Awful. No, who's, thank you. Who's offering this up? Zoom? Um, yeah. I don't remember that. From Lavitaire is what? the name of the yeah. company. I don't I, need to see a whole. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, oh, no, wait a minute. Hang on. The other thing here too is it's set up like a door setup, so that if you knock on the screen. It's like somebody's knocking on your door to okay. have a meeting with you, and then you could get up from your desk and go to the mirror and turn it on and talk to them, and they could see you as if they were standing in your doorway. No, oh, no, boy. just no. stop. This is <laughs> stop. There's like, as, as it says in the article, who needs work-life balance anyway? Because they point out that it is technically always on, but it is blurred for privacy. Oh man, like, no, no way, no, no way that's going in my house. No, there's, a, no. I know there's a disaster waiting to happen there. So, <laughs> oh, sorry, some algorithm messed up and everything unblurred. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have all this raw footage of you walking around your yep, house. Yep, yep. 
Uh, there was stuff about like um, th- like new versions of sound bars that are actually kind of mini sound bars for personal oh. listening, like oh. for your your personal devices. Okay, so you can kind of set up something that's a little more personal listening without having to actually wear headphones. Uh, all right, the only way I'm in on that is if the bass sounds good, and uh, and I don't know that they can do that. So yeah, you know, that's this, a good point. I, I, hey, I'm a little bit of a, a nerd or whatever, a little bit of a, a really sensitive to audio. It's got to be right, good right. audio, right? You got to have that bass. And this points out that like it's set up with ultrasound transmission so that basically like you have to be facing it to hear oh, it yeah i like that focus Hi- so hyper focus so like yeah. if you're mm. somewhat off to the side you're not disrupting other that's people cool. necessarily i like that but yeah that's I, cool. I'm, i'd be very curious of the sound myself as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course there was the usual car tech stuff you know and yes. again some of that stuff where you're like this is like you know 600 years in the future stuff what are you talking <laughs> about uh massage robots which i think i did talk about on you another did episode i'm still a little creeped before. out about that but I don't okay. know that i like that yeah it's no only- i thought you like the idea of having this robot like massage you no because it could strangle you come on i'm the guy who thinks the robots are all going to kill us at some point yeah. oh, okay I forgot. i'm the guy who's watched way too much science fiction come on <laughs> Uh, seven foot tall gargantuan with two arms to massage out your knots. No. It can understand verbal commands, communicate data with a neural network, and will only run you $310,000. Oh, is that it? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, what? who wants I to pay, even... who wants to pay like $300 for a massage? I don't even know what a massage goes. That's what I was just about I, to say. I, I, I don't I even know what a massage. I don't know either. I haven't had one in like 10 years probably. Or, or more, yeah, I guess know. they're in the $100 range. How many? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. We're not even close. 310 grand? <laughs> no. And then the last one here, which I actually thought this is actually pretty damn cool uh, for the future of farm. John Deere debuted an updated autonomous tractor. I did hear uh, about drives that. Drives itself, six pairs of stereo cameras for 360-degree obstacle yep. detection, uses a deep neural network to determine its movements. Yep. Um, so that's that one, I think. I, I could see, you know, well, the farm of the future, you know. keeping the farmer at the kitchen table, you know. <laughs> he doesn't have to go out. Or actually, the application that I, th- that I thought was good is that it, it can keep going 24-7, Exactly. Right? Yeah. It doesn't, it, as long as it know, it can see a little bit about where it's going, it can just keep going and going and going. Yep, yep. Yeah, gone are the days, I guess, of the farmer waking up at the crack of dawn yeah, and, the, and the working rooster, late yeah. into the night. Working all the way till the, till the sun goes down. Yeah, so. He just has to wake up and turn it on and, <laughs> and go back to bed. <laughs> Maybe. Did you did you remember to turn on the tractor, honey? Yeah, turned on the tractor. Maybe here. we should become farmers. Maybe that's what we right. should do. in Belgium. In Belgium, so right? We only have to work four, four days. The oh, tractor yeah. will do with the fifth one anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know what we're actually Screw doing Belgium. the other four days, but I, no, we're just enjoying life, right? <laughs> we're we're pollinating things. I don't know what are we doing. <laughs> so what did you? How much work did you get done today? Well, I turned the tractor on. Yep, we'd have to start talking like that too. Oh yeah, true. That's true. As yeah. I stereotype all farmers. <laughs> And on that note. (laughs) And on that note. That's it for us today. Thanks so much, as always, for joining us. So uh, until next time, um, you know, go turn on your tractor, move to Belgium. Yes, Um, we're moving to Belgium. Go back and watch Super Bowl commercials and look for robo-empires. Empires. Keep saying empires. Robo-umpires at a sporting event near you. And as always, until next time, stay connected. Tech Connect Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Healthcare budgets are pretty tight, but quality technology is also a must. Uh, I don't want to go to the hospital and see them using Blackberries <laughs> or their personal phone with this cracked screen that hasn't been updated since wait, 2018. Wait, 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 wait. If you walked into a hospital and they had a Blackberry, that would be an issue, wouldn't it? Oh. I would think so. Yeah, okay. Wouldn't you? Continue. Okay, well... <laughs> 
Help your customers on both fronts. I don't know if that's really an issue, but if it yeah. is, help them out with Zebra's TC21 and TC26 healthcare mobile computers. They're the ultimate cost-effective devices providing all the features that non-clinical healthcare workers need to communicate, document, and stay connected from anywhere on campus or beyond. Mm. Choose from Wi-Fi only or Blackberry cellular options. Blackberry can't do that. Blackberry <laughs> cannot do that. <laughs> BlackBerry can do a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, choose from Wi-Fi only or cellular options with Zebra's leading voice solutions and mobility DNA tools. BlackBerry's not a sponsor of our podcast, no. are they? Okay, yeah, yeah. just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know who's merged with who these days. Uh, to deploy healthcare-ready five-inch display devices with easily removed batteries and a wide selection of potential accessories. The TC26 also now supports Citizens Band Radio Service, CBRS, yep. for use in large areas with wireless coverage. Yep, huge so in healthcare. Mm -hmm. you don't want to try to contact your teammate and their palm pilot <laughs> palm pilot spotty really? reception is that where you went with the palm pilot sure yeah okay i thought maybe a razor but razor kind of made a comeback <laughs> well and that was motorola so yeah, yeah that's, well that's a good point yeah <laughs> thank you zebra uh right. sorry i couldn't get that document you sent i'm on my flip phone and the storage is filled with ringtones <laughs> remember when you used to download a ringtone yes Oh, yes. We had yes. just phones full of ringtones, ringtones and yeah. random pictures. But that's all you could do. I know. Yeah. Man, that was yeah. just an awful time. We've come a long way. We have. Yeah. Uh, to learn more, find plenty of helpful sales tools and a video overview, check out the link in the show notes. Yeah.